We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We are coming at you on an off day with, oh my goodness gracious, he's the best. It's Chris Herring. I mean, what else do you need to say? Author of Blood in the Garden, um, the my favorite sports book that I have read in uh, forever. Uh, the last time Chris was on, I believe we had him on to talk about that book. Today, we just talked some basketball. Um, New York Knicks, we hit on a couple other things and on MVP a little bit head on head on what's going on in Dallas uh, Chris Herring just wrote an article today actually um, or Tuesday I should say as, as we're recording this so yesterday as you're listening to this about the Dallas Mavericks on sportsillustrated.com go check that out um, you should obviously check out anything Chris ever writes because he is the best that there is out there doing this um, okay enough uh, filibustering uh, let's get to Chris Herring joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast the people's champ uh, coming on uh, from his his home at Sports Illustrated. Uh, not only is he a New York Times bestselling author, but at least in my book, far more importantly than that. Barack Obama was like, you know what? Screw all these other books. You should read this man's book. That man probably how did, does Barack read like three books a day? And he included Blood in the Garden mm, as one of the books that you have to read. Um, when it came out, which of course means we are talking to the one and only Chris Herring. Hello, sir. Hey, man. How are you? Thank you for having me on as always. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Uh, how you been? Everything good? Stuff is good. It's uh, it's it's personally been a really good um, year. Just, you know, the, the book stuff, the uh, the personal life. I, I got engaged. We were just talking about off, off camera a minute ago. Um, back in New York, which I didn't love New York the first time I lived in it. Uh, and I'm now realizing why that was, uh, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's hard to, to make a whole lot of time as I'm still trying to settle in, but it's, uh, it's been much better this go round. I'm sure finding kind of the love of your life helps with that and living with them as opposed to having random roommates and, and stuff like that. So, uh, but I'm really enjoying it. Stuff is going well. I appreciate you asking. Not nearly as much fun when you're like living the 
transient lifestyle, which <laughs> I, God knows I, I was, I mean, that was my entire twenties. Um, so yeah, let, less, mine, less fun. mine too, for the most part until I moved to Chicago. So I, I'm, I'm with you there for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's talk some basketball. Cause, uh, it is, it is almost April. Um, so it's, it is the fun time of year. And, um, I, I love getting your perspective because I feel like you, you offer the best perspective on one hand, you know this team uh, intimately, having covered them. Um, some of the some of the names and faces have changed, but really, how much does things do things ever change uh, inside the walls of Madison Square Garden? But at the you know, on the other hand, you have this national perspective, and you you could put the Knicks in larger perspective. So, I'm curious to pick your brain about a team that I think we're all excited about around here, even with their recent little skid that they ended last night. But um, you know, there's still some trepidation because we're Knicks fans. We have 20 years plus worth of PTSD. So it's Knicks Film School podcast. I'm going to start off with a multiple choice question that I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about and I want to get your, your thoughts on. Okay. From a big picture perspective, you can take that whichever way you want it. Um, I'm going to give you four choices here. Which of these four things do you think is the biggest deal for the Knicks in terms of again thinking this season, you know, the intermediate term, long term, um, Jalen Brunson going from a guy that some people pegged as like, oh, that's a lot of money for a backup point guard, uh, into whatever he has become. Uh, Julius Randle rediscovering, maybe even improving upon his All NBA form from two years ago. Emmanuel quickly, fresh off his 40, 40 burger uh, at the Garden, I think you know and. You and Zach Lowe did a wonderful pod on him a few weeks ago, and you've written on him. And it's so Emmanuel quickly kind of ascending to this kind of place. And then for answer D, I'm going to kind of go with a catch all of like the organization seems to have its, I don't know how to put it, have its shit together um, after what was a kind of a rough last year. And say what you want about the Donovan Mitchell thing and like whether mm-hmm. it was ultimately the right decision, but like that whole process didn't seem terribly well executed to me, at least from the outside looking in. So of those four things, again, to you outside looking in, what do you think is like, yeah, the biggest deal? Uh, and, and again, is this, is this for the rest of this season or is this for looking forward beyond the season? Looking forward beyond the season. Like if you were like me, if you're okay. a Nick fan and you're looking for like, okay, I'm excited to be a Nick fan again, moving forward because of right. this thing that has happened. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go with a, like a slight combo of one and two, okay. uh, because I think that they're a little bit symbiotic. I think Brunson has had an enormous positive impact on Randall. Randall was someone that I think most of the fan base, certainly your house listeners wanted out. Uh, people were tired. Of <laughs> right. So to me, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm most, you know, and, and I, God bless Knicks fans. I, I love you guys. I think you guys know that. Uh, I mean, if we were to go back and kind of go through everyone's tweets, you know, raise your hand if you wanted Thibodeau out. Raise your hand if you were ready to move on from Randall. Raise your hand if you were a little bit nervous about the Brunson deal. And, you know, and maybe not the fan base, because I feel like you guys were very much in in uh, quickly's corner, but like raise your hand if you were in the Knicks front office and we're thinking about trading quickly sure. or floating that idea. This is all within the last several months. Uh, and, and I know that not everybody was guilty of any of those things or, or maybe just guilty of one of them, 
but it tells you how quickly things change and it, it it causes you to question like which thing allowed the other things to fall in place quickly has played well for the better part of the last few years certainly off the bench there was a reason that people felt really strongly about him so the fan base you know had that part down um Thibodeau, you know if, if you want to chalk it up to the idea that he needed the right guys on the roster, wasn't a fan of Cam Reddish. And then he, they bring in someone that he's a complete fan of and Josh Hart Randall looking like a deer in the headlights in the playoff series against the Hawks really never being the same after that. And then all of a sudden you bring in a legit point guard. Who's not on his last legs, last knees, whatever you want to call it with Kemba. Um, oof. And it's making, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I, <laughs> no, I know you know not. me, you know how friendly I, I am. And it's like, maybe I, I occasionally say something that isn't meant the way it sounds. Uh, <laughs> no, um, but Brunson makes an enormous deal where he can be a number one, a lot of nights and carry the team offensively. It puts Randall in more of a position where he's not kind of fending for himself and trying to make everything happen on his own. Uh, th- there's so many moving parts and it's really Maybe the easiest way to put it is that I'm not completely sure who to credit. I feel like Brunson deserves a lot of it because it does feel like that's relieved a lot of pressure off Randall. So because of all that and the thing that I think they were gunning for when they went after Mitchell was a number one guy. Yeah. Uh, Brunson was mostly a number two, stepped up to be a number one when when uh, Luca was out during the playoffs for a little bit last year. Uh, this is a situation now where based on what you've seen one, I think you guys are very curious to see what can this team do in the playoffs. It wouldn't stun anyone if they were to win around maybe two uh, with the way they played the Celtics this year. I can't even imagine what, um, what it would be like here in Manhattan if that happens. Uh, But if we're asking that question, if you do add like the right star who can be, you know, an equal uh, third of, of, of the, dynamic as far as the star power is concerned or just be the lead guy uh, with Brunson already there and Randall already there. You slide them down and it makes life easier for them. You're probably talking about a team that can compete for a championship. And and so you could not have had that conversation last year based on the way Randall was playing. People wanted him out, you know, until you saw Brunson do what he's doing in the eyes of a lot of people, you weren't totally sure that he was worth it. At least some people were not completely convinced that he was worth it, even though it was a pretty nominal average scale contract for a starting point guard. Now I think you're convinced of those questions, particularly when you've got so many other guys playing well, quickly has stepped it up. Uh, When Mitchell Robinson has looked the part and been healthy, this has been a team that, you know, I don't think anyone is saying this would be our favorite. No one's saying that, but as far as there's a chance and we've seen crazier things happen, you absolutely feel that way about them. And, And that's without even getting into the difference that Hart has made. Um, and, and some of the other guys, RJ has looked better. So I, I think it's a combination of Brunson and, and maybe he is the catalyst, but a combination of Brunson and Randall looking like an all NBA forward. I think he's going to be an all NBA forward. And when you have that mix, uh, it's a team that can be really scary, not just this season, but I think if they continue to do the right things with the front office and, and making the right moves, it could be a team that could make a lot of noise in the next year or two. You, you always get on usually with, uh, with Zach towards the end of the year to do like voting stuff. Is it weird mm-hmm. that in my mind, Julius is deservedly the all NBA guy. And I kind of, if there's one guy who even, even if it's like one cursory fifth place vote on somebody's ballot or two fifth place votes on somebody's ballot on somebody's ballots, mm-hmm. I think that should be Brunson. Is that nuts? No, it's not crazy because I mean, it's it, again, 
and and maybe I'm even hypocritical for this. I, I think it's more of a numbers thing. And, uh, you know, like I think Brunson kind of got squeezed out of the all-star game by yes. that. I'm not saying that he was snubbed necessarily. Cause like I, when you look at who made it, um, I think you can reasonably argue that all those other people deserved it too. Sure. I just think it's, it's been a weird year, particularly when you look at who's been injured and who's been healthy. There've been a lot of really, really good guards in the league, but I, I mean, would I understand if someone threw Brunson and all NBA vote? Absolutely. Um, it's going to be crazy this year, just considering that. Oh my God. I mean, someone asked me for a, um, uh, the straw poll. Tim Bontemps does a straw poll for the MVP vote every yeah. couple months. And he asked me yesterday, and I intentionally, and Tim and I are friends, I intentionally like didn't respond to him for hours <laughs> because it's just like, I don't want to, I know it's not going to count for anything. I know it doesn't fundamentally matter. I don't even want to place a vote because I have no clue who I'm going to vote for. And really, I think most of us have the same top three with yeah. that. It's just a question of order, but like who gets four and five and sitting there for a reasonable minute trying to figure out who would be four and five and thinking very solidly like Shay Gilgis Alexander probably yeah. needs to be there. Um, so if we're having that conversation, there, there are people that just traditionally have not been in this conversation really that need to be now. And it, it, it's, it's kind of a tough numbers thing for Jalen Brunson. But I mean, if, if anybody would make that argument, you're not going to hear a, you know, me shouting them down. I think he he's deserving of consideration, certainly. And I would expect that he would get some votes for all NBA. I don't want to go too far off the beaten path, but like, I know I'm not, I'm not supposed to say this as a, as a Knicks fan, but like after if, if Tatum is like the, the four, which I think he's probably going to wind up for like, should we be talking about Donovan Mitchell a little bit more as kind of like, maybe not write it in pen at five, but like Luka Doncic's team is two games under 500. So like, mm-hmm. I, I know I mean, the numbers are what the numbers are, but like best net rating in the league, Cleveland, obviously I'm talking our second best net rating, I guess now Boston. Right. Again. But like, yeah, no, that's right. Uh, yeah. So that's just wanted to, throw it'll, that it'll be interesting to watch what happens with some of the guards. I mean, I think, uh, you know, to, to see Kyrie and, and his situation, he obviously made the all-star team very easily through voting and everything. Um, he's had a good statistical season. Um, do people hold it against them that he kind of dismantled the team uh, that now, you know, my column today was about the fact that he and Luca, although they, they still put up great numbers offensively, the team is, is falling out of the race or has, you know, at this point is out of the play in race. So it's, it's a weird year. And, you know, uh, I know Zach, when I talk to him, he says, it's always just about who had the, like, when I look back, who were the best players, not even who had the best season as far as availability, just who were the best guys. And I mean, Kyrie is consistently a 50, 40, 90, very close to those metrics sort of person. He's been relatively healthy this year. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see the way that breaks down. Um, It's, 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 it sucks that it's basically like a six person thing because it's always going to be really difficult uh, for someone to make it from that standpoint. Um, Unless they're just like you, basically have to be an MVP candidate to to realistically be a, a lock for that conversation to make the team. And, and uh, all- Lillard has been fantastic. Oh as well. yeah, you know. And now he's if he's going to miss basically the end of the season, like does that factor in? It's a really difficult conversation. And it's often like you know, for we see cycles with like the East and the West with like oh, if it was a different year, you know, like it's it's unbalanced. Too many good teams in the West, too many good teams in the East. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I feel like it goes the same way with guards and forwards, where you'll have a year where it's just like a loaded Absolutely. class of guards, and then you know, okay, um, enough about that. I want to get back to to the two guys we were just talking about, Brunson and Randall, for a second, because 
So here's the, the fascinating thing to me. You, I think, along with everybody out there who I respect, made the same argument that I think a lot of Nick fans did last summer, which is maybe put aside how the, I don't know, you want to call them negotiations, whatever, how the whole thing went with Mitchell. At the end of the day, the Knicks were not in a position to give up X, Y, and Z because of where they were as a franchise and what else they needed to do after what would have been a massive package for Mitchell. And now this season, as you just spoke about, Brunson elevated in the standings of most or the minds of most people. Uh, Randall elevated back up to what he was. And yet at the same time, I find them both to be unique in this sense in that like you look at traditional number threes on like title teams. And I don't know mm-hmm. that either of them fits, you know, like squarely into that like neat little box. Cause like that little box usually is like really good at defense and like off ball, you know, gravity off the charts. And like both of those guys mm-hmm. have, have done very well as shooters this year and the whole thing. Randall was in the three point contest. But so they're both like, probably talent wise better suited to be like a number two, number three. And yet their yeah. games are more like a, like a number one, number two. So, which is why I find it so fascinating. A few minutes ago, you were like, to, can they find someone who's like an equal third? So that I, I, this is my way of looking ahead and like how, and with the Knicks being a, 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 an organization run, you know, they, they, they say themselves, they were like a family. Like they, I clearly they want to keep Brunson. They're not looking to trade Brunson. Then I don't think they're maybe looking to trade Randall even like, how hard do you think it's going to be to, to, to get that fit right, you know, looking ahead a little bit. I mean, I, I think it's a lot of times it's always the hardest part um, to, first of all, to build something relatively organically. I mean, this, this next roster is a lot of guys that are, you know, are homegrown still. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to what threading the needle for this franchise looks like, frankly, is uh, <laughs> especially for this year. Yeah. Is and it was a little bit like this when um, when I was covering them um, in 2012 when they had the 54 win season. They had Mello. They certainly had Jr. who won six man, but to some extent, it kind of felt like depending on how you felt about Tyson Chandler. To me, their second best player a lot of times felt like their bench. It wasn't really. Mm. It wasn't really like there's one guy that is so JR was not consistent enough to really be their second best player all the time. No. Uh, it was more like, okay, they're, they're going to win the three point battle because they're taking so many threes. They're going to defend relatively well when it counts. Uh, they're going to move the ball in a way they're going to, you know, because Mello dominates the ball a lot. They're not turning it over. Like they're winning so many things night to night that that ends up being their second star. A lot of teams that have like a hard work ethic and one, maybe even two stars. uh, It kind of feels like a lot of times they're relying on their bench to carry them the rest of the way, which is why quickly is so important. I mean, when we talk about the idea of finding a third star, how important that is, you have three guys that can go out and get you 40 I mean, well, I we're going to talk about quickly. I want to, I want to bring up quickly in a bit. (laughs) Right. But I mean, I think to some extent their bench performance, their wing performance also, you know, they've got a guy named RJ who is capable of doing that. And I think it also speaks to how important he becomes and how important his fit becomes, um, how important his playoff performance becomes, because like you've got someone that is capable of 
going off for two, three games at a time, more than that, really. Um, and it's a question of how well does he play and why Why sometimes it's, it's really good to see him making the right decisions, not forcing too much, which he was doing um, a few weeks back. And, you know, he... If they're going to make... If they're going to win two rounds, I'll put it that way, something tells me they're going to need a really, really big showing from RJ to do that. I mean, it goes without saying that they're going to need Brunson and Randall, but RJ kind of seems like the key cog there. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You just stole my next question. For me, the biggest, like if I was going to you know, try to write a, like a five most interesting like, you know, again, reference our um, friend of the pod, Zach Lowe, and who, who you always go on with. He does his five most interesting players before the season. If I was mm-hmm. going to do something like that before the playoffs, I might have RJ on it just because there is that variance that when we see these snippets, and I know you see him too, where RJ's going well, it's like, oh my God, maybe we don't mm-hmm. need to, we don't need to talk about finding the, the star because maybe it's this guy if we give him another couple of years. And then there are moments against like mm-hmm. the Magic the other night where it's like, what like what is happening? What are we watching? I know, and it's yeah. So like, do you, do you agree with me that that's maybe the biggest pivot point for the Knicks moving forward for the into the playoffs? Uh, I, I think it's between him and Mitch. I think uh, other guy. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I did, and it's it, at one point I remember telling my editor like, "Tell me if I'm doing too many of these like five most six most interesting storylines players." Yeah. Uh, what have you, because I feel like I could do that all day long. It feels very uh, Buzzfeed sometimes, but I, you know, obviously I'm trying to to add a layer of depth into my stories where it goes beyond just like listing the player and, you know, 
um, their eye color or something like that. I'm, I'm trying to put prescriptive things in there, things that I've noticed that I think make them really important. Uh, it goes without saying the way their defense looked, even though they were 500 or so during that time he was out, the way their defense looked when he wasn't there, when he was out. And, uh, and also just looking at last night, goodness, like when that guy is defending the way he can defend and when he's taking a pride in it, uh, and it's so interesting because like we we all see the things that fans point out. Uh, I'm not the one noticing them. I don't have Snapchat. I don't follow players on Instagram. I don't even follow players on Twitter uh, for the most part, maybe with the exception of a player or two. Uh, so I don't notice things first when a player has like a disgruntled, you know, or likes an Instagram yeah. post or something like that. But I think it's interesting because when we talk about Mitchell Robinson, whether you can just wave that off and and I know these guys are young, but whether you can just wave it off when you look at how much fury he can play with when he's really wired and thinking the way you want him to think in a team from a team vantage point, uh, that matters a lot. And it's going to matter a lot for this team. You know, it doesn't surprise me that everyone's going to want their touches. It doesn't surprise me that a guy that doesn't have plays really called for him is going to occasionally want, a touch. It, it also goes back to what we've been talking about, about the idea of a third star. Yep. Uh, what would that mean if they brought in someone for RJ? Also, RJ might have to be part of something like that. Yes. They're trading for something. So, you know, I won't overlook that, but you know, guys have egos and it's it, as easy as it is for fans to sit back and be like, just stay back there and defend and like make your money that way. You know, every one of these guys that does well at this level was a, probably a dominant scorer for the majority of their life. Up and until he, now, and he's pulled out a few. Well, two moves. I was gonna two moves over the last several weeks where he's out on, you know, he's out by the three point line, and of course the the center guarding him is like not thinking anything of it because it's like it's Mr. Robinson right. with the ball, and he puts the ball on the floor and he's driven in for a dunk. Where it's like, oh, right, and you know? it, it it's crazy because you don't want to. I mean, I don't think anybody's banking on that, like being the difference <laughs> no. between them winning the first or second round. No, no. At the same time, you don't want to handcuff people and take the ability out of their hand to develop when again, again, most of the, a lot of these guys are homegrown. And um, frankly, that was what I was criticizing in the the Kyrie Luca pairing in the column I wrote today for SI is that um Look, I mean, those two are as skilled as just about anybody, you know, and, and when you're just talking about the skill level of a backcourt offensively, it doesn't get much better than those two. I get concerned when I'm watching Josh Green have like a breakout season um, and Reggie Bullock being a, a pretty good role player and Dwight Powell being a pretty good rim running big uh, that those three finish a, a half. The three other starters next to Kyrie and Luca finishing a half scoreless. Uh and a game against Charlotte. Chris, Quentin Grimes had a game uh, within like the last week where he took one shot in the game. Yeah. So, so and, this, and, this happens here too. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's very easy to play that game and I'm guilty of it. I, you know, I was the one that floated it. Um, but, you know, just go find another star. It's not easy to do that. We all know that part. It, even if it looks like it might be getting easier, it's a one team race we see another team could swoop in and and make it a two-team race just at the (laughs) last moment but also like it's not it's not fantasy sports you know guys roles matter 
their level of engagement if they're not seeing the ball matters. Uh, whether they can be in a rhythm or not matters. And I think that we're seeing a lot of that in Dallas at times. Um, so it, it'll be fascinating to see what happens with RJ. I mean, I, I, I really do think maybe because Randall and Brunson have been as steady as they have been that if they can do that and if you could get like a vow from RJ and Mitchell Robinson that they regardless of how they're shooting that they're going to defend at a certain level you know Josh Hart is going to do that yep. um quickly you know gonna do it. quickly's going to do that Grimes for the most part is going to do that defensively yep. you don't have to worry about whether he's going to waver on that and he might make mistakes but he's not yeah. going to not play with second year player you know uh, uh there are times where Barrett forces it. There are times where Mitchell Robinson's level of engagement does look to kind of waver a little bit. So, I mean, it's going to be massive for everybody and it's going to be an all hands on deck moment for them in round one. And, you know, if they win round one, round two, but, uh, you know, it'll be really interesting to see off of this, what they decide to do and how they decide to move forward from a playoff appearance, because they, I mean, it, it was, it was only a week or so, but after they had that winning streak, People, including from my site, were saying like, yeah, the Knicks are actually a, t- a title so, contender. Um, so mm-hmm. you, you, you always do this. You know exactly what I'm going to ask next when you team me up. <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a, I always say this. I'm a, such a huge believer in the impact of narratives and uh, on, on decisions that get made in the summer and you know what players may think and, and so on and so forth. How important do you think it is for... I, I, I don't... I don't know if we have to be like for them to win a playoff series or for them to push a team to a certain amount of, just like for the Knicks to end this season and however it ends it, there is an, it is unequivocally it's the vibes are good to, to use a, a popular term. Mm-hmm. How, how important do you think that is for where they are at as a franchise right now? I think it's big for a couple reasons. I mean, I think <laughs> the, the levels to which, it would be a positive for Julius Randle to have a good playoffs mm. uh, after the last time. And and granted, like I know that one thing doesn't necessarily mean it's the reason for the other. I, I still, to this moment, don't know what was happening in Julius's personal life or if there was other stuff aside from last year. Last year was rough. And I imagine that the way that people harped on how rough last year was for him and did not make it easier. But it, it really did look from the outside as if it could have one could have bled into the other. It was yep. just a, a an abysmal playoff run for him. He was the guy. Uh, you know, you hope that that helps. That it's not necessarily the case that he has to do it all by himself now. Um, but if they can get that and kind of get that, if you want to call it a, a monkey off their back or what have you, I think that that's big on its own. Um, and I mean, look, you have you're an arch rival of yours sitting. Um, in Boston, you know, fans sitting there in Boston trying to, you know, uh, I won't say make nice because I don't know if there's ever any one thing, mm-hmm. but I don't know um, if it worked. Jalen Brown does not seem thrilled. And it's like it, it's it's getting to be that time of year where, you know, you're looking at kind of the dis- disgruntled, unhappy stars, whether they've got a good team or not. Yeah. And uh, there are always going to be ones that don't have good teams. Um it's going to be that time of year. And if, if the Knicks look at what they have and decide we've got, I mean, certainly the assets to make something happen. Yep. Um, it becomes an interesting time. And, and this is also when you would take stock of how close you feel like you are to be able to make a move or yep. whether you would want to make a move, because I could also understand that um, for how 
closely they wanted to hold Grimes to the chest and not let him go. Um, you also didn't know what you exactly what you were going to have with this team. I think they expected Brunson to, to perform well. I don't know that they expected that they would get nearly this much out of him this consistently. Uh, so now that you know you have that, now that you feel like you've got Randall in a good place and confident and everything and 57-point games and the whole nine, you've got maybe someone that will finish as a six-man. You've got Josh Hart, who's a super sub. You've got all this stuff. In light of that, um, this might be a time to take an even bigger swing than what you were trying to take last year, uh, oh. where you you... I don't think you throw caution to the wind, but uh, you, it makes more sense to do that when you're getting knocked out, barely getting knocked out in round two, or you're winning round two and getting knocked out in the conference finals. Christian, you uh, need to go lie down and take, and, and, take, and, and take some deep breaths. It's, Come on. It's a, what are you doing it's to me a, here? I mean, it, I think it's wishful thinking to think that they're going to win the second round, but it's possible. And, and this is there. so different than, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's different. Uh, you, and I, and you probably shouldn't be after, the, the the recent skid and everything, but yeah. when they're playing at their best and it, it's possible the way they matched up against certain teams, it's possible. Yep. And you, you only make a, you only take a swing like that when you really feel like it's possible, you would have some evidence of it now based on this season. If you win around, if you get close to winning a second round uh, last year, you were really just saying, we hope these pieces work together. And now you have evidence of the fact that these pieces work well. So it's, it's, it's also like playing a game of, of Jenga to some extent, like how many pieces can you add on and also take out, um, you know, without, without having the thing crumble on you or without doing too much. It's tricky and something that I've been thinking of the last few days. And I, I wrote on this a little bit for my newsletter recently is, um, they're in a tricky spot because you just mentioned all these guys who are really good, really good players and really good fits. So like the notion of making a marginal upgrade, like there is no more obvious marginal upgrade to, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you want to talk about like, you know, maybe replace Obi Toppin or something with a guy who's a little bit more befitting of like how, how Tibbs wants to play, like something like that. Sure. But other than that, even like, you know, talking about a guy like Ananobi, who's like a, it's like a sub all-star level player. He obviously makes your team better, but like at what, you know, where is it where it makes sense, like where you're not giving up too much and this and that. So like for you to say, like, maybe this is where the big swing is. The thing about a big swing, other than obviously get you a superstar is it's an obvious thing. And even then we've seen big swings not work. So sure. Who knows? Um, you mentioned quickly. I want to ask about him really fast. And then I want to uh, one or two and then I get you out of here. Um, mm -hmm. We haven't seen like there's usually a, an archetype of a player that wins six man of the year. Obviously, you're Lou Wills and you're Jamal Crawford's, and we could go through the list. Mm -hmm. But like, guys, even a, a gentleman you covered, you brought him up before, Mister Mister J.R. Smith himself. Like, <laughs> the, one of a kind. These are players who kind of they are what they are. You know, oftentimes in their like mid to late twenties, sometimes early thirties. It's like you you know what this what the player is. There's been very few that have been young players um, to have come along and won this thing. I mean, Hero did it last year, about a decade before that. James Harden. And then before that, you have to go all the way back to Roy Tarpley, the late Roy Tarpley, you know, whose career kind of went off the rails for, for some off-court stuff. But like, right. there's not a whole lot of precedent for a young player like quickly, again, other than Hero last year, like winning. And I'm wondering, like, do, that's why I asked about it. That's why I'm including, I included him in that first question. Like, are you starting to wonder about what his ceiling might be? He, he spoke to uh, Jake Fisher recently and who, who you've been on with several times, like about like, I want to start someday. Like, what do you think of quickly? 
I mean, he's someone that he I watching him play, and I think some of it was also like his body type. Mm. I thought he was going to project as like a Lou Williams type score, which like that was the comp. If you you could have a, a 15 year career that way, there's nothing wrong with it. You might win multiple six mans of the year. I mean, like Lou Williams had the him and Jamal Crawford had like the recipe to to win that award multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, he he maybe again because he physically resembled the guy and w- w- you know was going to launch shots from sometimes pretty wild places like you thought that that was his potential uh Lou Williams didn't defend really no. um I'd, I'd have to really go back and watch older film to see whether he ever really defended at a decent or a high level but never the way that quickly is willing to do um you know Lou Williams I think was a fine passer and, and, and playmaker and stuff like that quickly does that um but he he also was like lifting a bench unit. Sometimes it was not always that great and um, could play along with the starters. Now we've seen multiple examples of him playing long, long minutes with the starters. sometimes an hour worth of floor time. <laughs> in one game. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he's just a, you know, and watching the, you know, I, I understand that it, it's a feel good moment and like, it does not hurt him by any means to have a 40 point game in the last two weeks of a season in which he's a front runner, one of the front runners for six men of the year. I, I, I couldn't help but watch, watch back, the, you know, the highlights of the game after I watched it um, of uh, the Rockets and like how they're just not anywhere oh my the God. screen uh, defending the guy. And it's like, I mean, he's a knockdown. He has the ability yeah. to be a knockdown shooter. You've obviously written about the fact that he is someone that was already good with this floater. And now when you put him closer to 50% on that shot, you're talking about someone that is a a pretty dominant force when it comes to bench reserves. Uh, So, I I mean, that is the one other thing that when we're talking about not wanting to handcuff anybody, whether it's Grimes, whether it's Barrett, whether it is quickly ultimately has to be the one that like, if you're worried about how something or someone impacts the rest of your group, uh, if you're bringing in another star level guard on this team, let's say that you were targeting uh, Bradley Beal, uh, which, you know, there's no, not that I've gotten any indications. Of no, that. I also throw her name out that, there. Yeah. I also don't know the Knicks fans would, would want him or, you know, like what it would take to get him or what have you. Uh, also weird story about him today, which the framing of it was really that, good to me, but either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so weird to me. I'll just encourage people to go read it. When I'm talking about knocking someone's hat off and being charged with, or being someone trying to get him charged with something. But anyway, um, like you would wonder immediately how that impacts quickly if that happens, because all of a sudden, and again, assuming that he's not part of a deal, maybe he would need to be, or maybe the other team would want that or kind of uh, demand that, you know, for a star level player, star level level talent uh, that would impact quickly's minutes. And, um, you know, as we talk about guys kind of always having the same energy, the same spirit, the same zeal to kind of just uh, play their hardest every night. Again, I have not seen a thing that suggests that he wouldn't, I I don't get that impression, but it's something that you can't, you can't necessarily know. And I, and I say that you, you brought up Jake Fisher um, a moment ago. I pretty sure that he had a story. Maybe it was him. If not him, then someone else at Yahoo, I think wrote and got Kevin Herter one-on-one and oh, Kevin Herter yeah. was basically saying there were too many cooks in the kitchen in Atlanta. And I like, if you go back and listen to the podcast and maybe even some of the stuff I wrote, 
about Atlanta leading in the last season. That was the team I was lowest on coming off of their I remember. conference finals appearance. I remember because I was just like, I don't think that it's linear necessarily for young teams like that to keep excelling. And also there's only one basketball and all these guys want to be paid. And, and the owner after that run straight up told you that he was not going to pay all these guys. So it was going to result (laughs) shortly after you saw Cam Reddish shipped out. Kevin Herter is traded for very little. In my opinion, they've been trying to trade John Collins and, you know, haven't really been able to find a a taker for him. Uh, You know, they're, they're making all these other deals you know, which I even threw them in my column today because I think some of the same question that we're seeing now with Luca, at least that I raised, and I think other people are starting to ask is like, who is the best complimentary, like supplementary, whatever you would call it, star that you could put next to your guys that won't throw it off, that will actually raise everybody a level. And it's a really hard question when you've got a good team that's on the cusp or in contention. And uh, so, you know, you would want to be mindful of that with quickly as well. Uh, But at a certain point, you know, they would have made that deal presumably for Mitchell and the same thing would have happened, you know? So we'll see. It it didn't, it didn't hinder Garland in any way, really. It didn't hinder that team. And ultimately as much as we, you know, we all enjoy watching quickly play, seeing him succeed. It's not about any one individual player. You you certainly don't want to feel like you're handcuffing anybody, but it's about the team. And, uh, and I imagine he would be that way about it too. feel that way about it. Well, they have a, they have a chance to, to show him just how much they appreciate him this summer with a big old fat <laughs> check. For, they do. That'll be interesting to watch. I, I'm so fast. We don't have to get into that. We'll talk about that later. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about game time. Is there an upcoming event you're trying to get tickets to? Whether it be tickets to one of the final home games of the Knicks season, or maybe it's a concert or a comedy show. Whatever it is, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you're going to have. Currently browsing through the Game Time app and I see all the events coming up in the area, whether it be the Knicks home game against the Miami Heat on Wednesday or home opener tickets for the Mets and Yankees. The Game Time app is so easy to navigate. You can search by category like sports, music, or shows, or search by teams like the Yankees, Islanders, or Knicks. I have to say that my favorite feature is the full 3D peripheral view you get whenever you select a seat. Just select a seat that's within your price range, move the phone from left to right, and get a good idea of the view you'll have during the event. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Game Time is also the fastest growing ticketing app in the country, and for a good reason. As I mentioned, get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps and you're set. Tickets are then sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 50 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm not the greatest when it comes to cooking. Thankfully, I found a life partner that loves her time in the kitchen and loves putting together these elaborate meals. Unfortunately, with her schedule working at a school all day and my schedule covering sports all night, we rarely have time to go to the grocery store together. Well, HelloFresh has made it possible for us to do all the grocery shopping for the week right from the comfort of our living room. In fact, just last night when I was editing the latest KFS pod, she was putting together two plates of Presto Pesto Panko Chicken with roasted potatoes and green beans. We were able to do dinner and a movie without even leaving the comfort of our own home. And this is just one of several delicious HelloFresh meal options with cook and prep time taking less than an hour. When you've got busy, conflicting schedules like ours, you don't have to go out for dinner and a movie. Instead, it comes right to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool60 and use code FilmSchool60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool60 and use code FilmSchool60 for 60% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Um, Last thing, and I was planning on saving it to the end. You brought it up a few times already, and I I can't get Mm -hmm. you out of here without asking about your piece that you you had today about the Dallas Mavericks. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm big into NBA history and like a talent. This I, I am, I'm very high on Luka Doncic. I think he's. With, I think a lot with, of people are. Yeah, right. <laughs> with, with all, I mean, I compared him to Andrew will tell you. I compared him to Michael Jordan on a on a Patreon pod we did a, a few months ago. Uh, sure. I don't know how well that's going to age. Um, but like, I think he's just, you know, he's that sort of talent. Now, whether it mm-hmm. translates, I think has a lot to do with what you're talking about with how do you how do you build around this guy and and some of those sorts of things. I'm just wondering again from like a history perspective, when's the last time we've had a a situation potentially brewing like this where you know, two-time preseason frontrunner, I think, odds on favorite for MVP. Mm-hmm. Like, in a situation where clearly his organization has, can we say at this point, they failed him? Like, I, there's always outs that they get. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. But, like, it's not a great situation right now in Dallas. And, like, there's three years left on the contract. Like, are we are we in the player empowerment era? Is, like, three years too much? Like, what did the KD sweep mm-hmm. stakes last year? There's all this stuff going on. And I'm just like, is this, like, the biggest story in the NBA and it's mm-hmm. not even close? Like, and that's what I've been thinking about lately with what's going on in Dallas. You know what? What it feels somewhat similar to, um, it, I mean, but also totally different from it, from the standpoint of, like, one was impacted by injuries, the other's not. Uh, the only one I can think of in recent, recent history is Anthony Davis. Uh, Anthony Davis was, I thought was going to become the best player in the world after what year was that? Like 
I'd probably have to go back to look at exactly when it was, but like when I they thought swept around the Blazers in the in the playoffs. Um, I don't know if it was that year. It might have honestly. It might have been the year that the Warriors knocked them out. Yeah, that um, was this. I think that was the same year when they. I think they was swept that the Portland, same year, and then they. I think they were or Drew, no, wait, no. a, Drew. I think that was. I, I think that was the first round when they got knocked out by the Warriors. You know, you're right. You're right. But I remember Drew having a wild series where he just outplayed everybody, Dame, uh, CJ, yep. and kind of almost single-handedly just put their guards to shame. So I remember that series too. But I, I, I remember for a few years saying, really, like this, I, I think that LeBron, you know, silly me to have thought that LeBron would start to kind of come down at age 30. <laughs> Three thirty-four, and instead, you know, thirty-eight. He's still putting up MVP level stats, just not, you know, not able to stay quite healthy enough. Um, but I thought Davis was like, I thought it was his league for like the next six years, and uh, turned out not quite to be from the MVP standpoint. I think it was also because they couldn't win enough to really keep in that conversation. Part of the reason they couldn't win enough is his health. Part of it was also just like, what does the best co-star look like, and. Even with that, as we talk about Drew Holiday and that whole thing, uh, it worked for Giannis. So it's yeah. like sometimes you could have a great second guy and it's just, I don't know if it's timing. I don't know if it's coaching. Um, I don't know if it's player patience, which, uh, you know, I imagine Luca will have some. Uh, he, you know, I, I do get the impression that he, he likes Mark Cuban. He realizes that Mark Cuban is going to do at least say that he will do everything he can. He did not bring Jalen Brunson back, uh, <laughs> you know, but they, they are cycling through guys, literally trying to find like the right fit Porzingis, you know, and, and Christian Wood, although Jason Kidd won't play him, you know, as much as, you know, he, Christian Wood just is, is having his best month of the season, true shooting percentage wise. And he's still not seeing as many minutes as he's had to begin the season. It's, it's a weird situation. I know they have no defense, you know, smart people, Tim Cato included who covers them for, the athletic and does a great mm-hmm. job has asked the question, like, why not just lean into what the Kings are doing, where they're just going to blow you out of the water with their offense. And you figure out the defense part of it later. Like they don't have the defensive stoppers to be a team that has a good defense period. Um, so just lean into that and just, you know, just blow teams out of the water. Jason kid's not doing that. He's not really willing to see what that looks like for long stretches of time. Um, we'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, for the first time we've really heard Luca, frustrated. I mean, he had a 16th technical that they then rescinded, which was like awful timing before they rescinded it. Um, But, and I know that it's an emotional game. I know Luca is someone that pouts quite a bit, uh, but still it was kind of stunning to me that as they are taking a a horrible back-to-back loss situation against Charlotte, that Luca would get a 16th tech period when they are already out of the play-in as of right now. Um, you have to be pretty frustrated. And then he said, this is the most upset, most frustrated he's been during his time in the league. He generally has fun. This is not fun for him. There are moments where it looks like he's not having fun. And, uh, you know, I, I think the saving grace here for Dallas is that, uh, they consulted him before they brought Kyrie. And this is someone that he said he wanted them to get. So from that standpoint, like, what does the summer look like? Do you try to re up with Kyrie for like a year? Would he even go for that? Is someone else willing to give him more than that? Uh, if you don't bring him back, what do you do? You you don't have enough to certainly to max anybody. And, um, you know, we've kind of seen what this thing looked like when it was mostly just Luca and a bunch of shooters and a playmaker or two. Um, so, you know, 
I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for that team. I also don't know how to feel about the Porzingis situation. Like it looked like and felt like it was not working really. Yeah. But he's also having a career year in yeah. Dallas. So I, I did see one person respond to my tweet with that story saying, you know, at what point are we going to start asking, like, is Luca part of the problem? And it, it, it seems like a strange thing. It's, it's a bold question to ask, but also like he's not an all around superstar. Uh, he is a great, like he might be the best. Well, I mean, I'm sure Jokic has an argument too. Uh, the best, best offensive player in the sport. talent in the league. Uh, when you're when you're kind of, uh, you know, handicapping for age and everything, he probably is. Um, but I, I do think that there's something to be said for kind of that like rocket style of play where two guys get to touch the ball yeah. and basically nobody else, unless they are wide open and screaming at the guy to pass him the ball, <laughs> uh, they're willing passers. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it is difficult to find a rhythm. It is uh, to me, it is part of how you have games where a team just can miss 27 threes in a row is that they're mm-hmm. only seeing the ball every so often. So, um, it, you know, defense has to be part of the equation. When we talk about guys that are unhappy in Boston or seem unhappy in Boston. That would be a dream scenario for a team like Dallas to get someone like him uh, oh. because they they don't play enough defense, in my opinion. I didn't even and, think of um, that. Why would you put that? There aren't the many universe? guys. I mean, it's just, I I think a lot of times from just what would be interesting to watch and what would instantly make a team a lot better. I mean, I think a lot, a lot better, a ton of teams that that would be true of. And I'm sure Boston is saying like, we feel like we could be better in the next few years too. If he stays here and just keeps growing along with Tatum, but get get Kyrie uh, back involved in it. Kyrie for Jalen who says no, (laughs) that would be Boston fans are going to say that (laughs) somehow. You don't think just a, just a thought. <laughs> I don't think Knicks fans want him either. By the way, but, uh, Kyrie, no, I don't think so. Not with a <laughs> not with a ten foot pole, Chris. Um, <laughs> that's just, that's just one man's opinion to each their own. Um, I've I think it's more than one man's opinion. <laughs> Maybe a few just guessing. People. If you were to take uh, radio callers in, I think you'd find it's more than one man's opinion. I, I, yes, I think so too. Uh, you're the absolute best, and. Um, it's it's it, I will never ever 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 stop being um, beyond grateful that again you don't think anything of coming on here. It is just such a massive deal to us that you give us the time and uh, and the energy and the thoughtful responses and everything. Um, you know, you're you're the one man wrecking crew. You do it all. You're you're the superstar. You you're you're unlike Luka Doncic, who's not a two way superstar. I don't know what's the two way version of being a great writer. I guess books and columns. I don't know. What is Probably to be a podcaster, and I know that I'm not everyone's too, yeah. favorite from that standpoint either. So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm those people. I, I'll, I'll gladly take the if people think I'm a decent enough writer, and that that translates to books. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much for for always being so supportive of my work. It really, truly is a pleasure to to be on with you whenever I can be. And um, and and thank you so much for all the the compliments. As always, it's always really good to be with you. Absolutely. Here, here's to the Knicks having their best uh, playoff run since you were last covering the team. Giddy up. And I'll be here for it. Uh, to be there able you to go. You're the good luck stuff. job. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to being back in the building. So I've not been to a game yet since I uh, moved back here. So looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully they let me in the building. Uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Sounds good, my man. All right. Hope you enjoy that spot. We love having Chris on. And I just, even though he's not here anymore, I'll say it one more time. Uh, the The fact that like, this man who is on the like current Mount Rushmore of like NBA voices that you care about what they have to say about this league finds time to join us, Dinky, 
Dinky Doodle Nick's Film School podcast with Andrew rolling his eyes because he's like, we're not a Dinky Doodle podcast. Dinky Doodle Nick's podcast. That is the number one Nick's podcast in the market. You're welcome, Chris, for the publicity that we offered you in this episode. By the I way. always tell you, Chris, it's still in my mind. I'm still just screwing around at my kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Never going to yes. change. You're right. This this thing we've built is just you at a, at a kitchen and you know, table. Wait, hold on. And you know what? Back when I was screwing around at my kitchen table, you know who was a guest? Chris Harris. There you go. He's the man. All right, so go uh, go support Chris. Go buy his book if you haven't uh, bought it already. It's it's the, it's the best thing you'll read. Again, Blood in the Garden. It's the story of the '90s Knicks. Go read him at Sports Illustrated. The whole thing. And of course, if you do enjoy this stinky podcast, um, go give it a nice rating, uh, review, uh, subscribe. Obviously, we appreciate that stuff. It it helps us out. So um, that is it. We will. Be back with, uh, you know, more, more fun games, pregames, postgames, the whole thing uh, as the Knicks finish up their march, hopefully, towards the playoffs. Talk to you soon. Peace out.